0: Today's reading is selected from the writing of Episcopal priest Barbara Brown Taylor. If I had a dollar for every time I heard someone say, I am spiritual but not religious, then I might not be any wiser about what it means, but I would be richer. I hear the phrase on the radio. I read it in interviews. People often say it to my face when they learn that I'm a religion professor who spent years as a parish priest. In that context, people are usually trying to tell me that they have a sense of the divine depths of things, but are not churchgoers. They want to grow closer to God or the holy, but not at the cost of creeds, confessions, and bad coffee. Some of them have resigned from religions they once belonged to, taking what was helpful and leaving the rest behind. Others have collected wisdom from the four corners of the world which they use like cooks with a pantry full of spices. Plenty of them are satisfied too even as they confess they are sometimes lonely. I think I know what they mean by religious. It is the spiritual part that is harder to grasp. My guess is that it may be the name for a longing, for a meaning, more feeling more connection, more life. They know there is more to life than what meets the eye. And they have drawn close to this more, in nature, in love, in art, in grief. Indeed, they know that somewhere along the line, they were sold the idea that God is chiefly interested in religion, or that God's home was the church. Even as they know, we know, that the earth is so thick with divine possibility that it is a wonder we can walk anywhere without cracking our shins on altars.
1: I love you. And because I love you, I remind us every week that here is our world and beautiful and terrible things happen all the time. Be not afraid. Because we hold hope for each other when hope is hard to find, and we plant seeds beneath the snow that will one day grow, we are prophets of a future, not our own. We cannot do everything, but we can do a few things, maybe just even one thing. So let us forget our perfect offering here in the middle of March. There is a crack in everything that we see. That is how our light gets in. So it is a Tuesday in March, and even though you have seen the bags of mulch piled near the doors at the Home Depot, waiting for their turn, and you have seen the perennials peeking out in a blaze of climate change fueled February, the second hottest month in world history only to retreat frightened and scolded by icy winds of March coming in and wrecking the place like a lion. You know it is not good for you to stay cooped up and all fevery with cabin fever. CNN blurping on the screen, Kellyanne Conway winking at you with her fake news. Mr. Trump tapping on his phone, wielding presidential power like a smartphone truncheon, which is a compliment or a curse depending on how you voted. And NPR purring, purring on the radio in tones that do not waver no matter what cataclysm they are reporting. And yes, you know it's snowing outside, and yes, there are high winds reminding you who's in charge, and yes, you already packed away the winter jacket in a spasm of naïve spring optimism. (laughs) The problem is, though, is that you have a dog at your feet with eyes shaped by generations of Darwinian survival. Soften and rounded at the edges so perfectly that even the most weary, sheltered, shuttered, shut-in human cannot resist succumbing to the longing in those eyes. They saying to you, you love me, don't you? And please do not leave me caged inside. Take me out into the world so we can be wild and free together, and I can poop without anyone looking at me. (laughs) And you, you can take off, turn off the news and turn up the folk radio without any family rebuke. And you can sing out loud without worrying if anyone is hearing you except me and the sky and the birds and God, wherever she is. Can we go? Can we go? Let us go. Let me get your gloves and your boots and your hat and treats to keep me in line, because, look, Dr. Pavlov was right. I'll do whatever you want if you reward me. I am like Congress that way. 168 hours. That is what each of us are given in a week. You heard a minister say that in the midst of all the great inequalities, one thing that all of us share are these 168 hours. Working, sleeping, smartphoning, Twenty-one hours a week on average per American on the smartphone. Talking, eating, cleaning, driving, waiting, cooking, loading and unloading dishes, wiping noses, exercising, listening for a precious few in silence. One hundred and sixty-eight hours. Forget everything else you've heard in this season of Lent. What Lent is about is looking at your life and changing what is not working. And so you make a true confession that it feels hard sometimes, doesn't it, to make time for the things that you say you most care about. It feels hard to have time to reflect the values that you say you believe in. And so you ask yourself a good question. What do you have to say no to in order to say yes to the things you most want to spend your time on? And so given that, what is one hour spent in a mid-March storm? Boots on, laces tied, hat pulled down over eyes, neck thingy pulled up over the nose, jackets layered and layered. What are you? You are a dog-walking late-winter ninja, (laughs) ready to do jujitsu against any foe, be that foe a squall of snow or wind or wasted time, unexamined hours and precious little noticing of this one wild and precious, precious life. Holy You exclaim as the nor'easter breath pushes up against your body. It is interesting, is it not, how words like holy, which share the same origins as whole and heal, which Sarah sang so beautifully for us, are reserved most often for our curses these days. I mean, you get it. Not too many of us pepper our language with religious words for fear that others might think that we're more religious than we think we actually are. But nonetheless, it is a bit sad, isn't it? It's a bit of a loss. Because you remember it was Emerson, St. Emerson, who said that true miracles are found not in the breaking of natural laws in the Bible, but in what he described as blowing clover and silver rain. Or in other words, isn't this world holy? Don't we say that we believe that? Well, yeah, but instead of clover and rain, here comes the dart of sleet and the slices of snow. Those who might say that spirituality is found in nature and walking, sorry, John, in the woods, sometimes seem to forget how terrible and terrifying nature can be or life can be which you think of as you push and push against the weather resisting you. The privilege of having a house to go back to and the heat on and a steaming cup and slippers not 50 minutes away makes it easier for you to bask in the holy glory of this earth that is at once a beautiful and dangerous and fickle garden." because it could be different. And so you wonder, would Emerson's words resonate with you tonight if you were worried about heating assistance being cut off in the latest budget proposal? Would Emerson's words resonate with you tonight, knowing that you were one eviction notice away from becoming the homeless after being the housed? You wonder if the dog asks such difficult questions, as you watch him porpoise through the snow in an ocean of white and white and white and white, and then he returns to your side and he's smiling and in love with you, reminding you of the quip that you want to be the person your dog thinks you are and not the person your cat knows you to be. Gage, that is for you. <laughs> because how much there is to confess there in the harsh wind, in a storm, alone with the dog, where no one can hear you, for letting loose the torrent of curse words. That you learned in high school at the neighbor whose dog nearly bit yours. For staying silent when a table of sort of friends snickered at a cruel joke. For losing touch with real friends and not Facebook friends who left a voicemail and sent you a card but live in a distant city. For staying safe too often in the bubble of the suburbs, finding too many re- good reasons not to get out of your comfort zone for taking for granted the living, loving bodies inside your house, for lacking the courage of your convictions, and for spilling creamer on the counter at Starbucks and not cleaning it up, (laughs) and a thousand other messes you have left to someone else, big or small. Let you be forgiven. My nose is cold. Can I nuzzle your hand, says the dog? Reminding you that you don't have to drag yourself through this storm repenting and repenting and repenting. Just confess enough to get the hurt off of your chest and change what's not working here in mid-March and begin again those 168 hours per week in love. And just then, as though the nor'easter senses you need to clear the air. A big gush of wind comes down the hill and it pushes through your body and into the woods beyond where it catches an old, been there, done that, trunk of a tree and presses it sideways until it snap, crackles, and pops in half and it sends the top crashing in a cloud of snow onto the top of younger, healthier saplings squeezing out their life this is the world beautiful and terrible things will happen and even though you hear your minister say do not be afraid the the dog's tail goes between its legs and if you had one yours would too because these are dangerous times these are nor'easter times And in a sacred, sainted world, you can admit to feeling a little worried and afraid about the desecration you see because in between the marches and the pink hats and the protest hashtags and the Saturday Night Live skits and the fundraisers, this is how you sometimes feel, isn't it? You are caught in a storm. You feel alone. You are afraid. You are worried. You, the stay-at-home parent, you the health care worker, you the Obamacare recipient, you the immigration lawyer, you the transgender kid, you the Meals on Wheels receiver, you the black kid who just got the talk from his mom about what to do if you're pulled over, you the Muslim I talked about in Worcester, you, The UAC member trying to figure out what does it mean, actually, to live my faith in my life. You, the minister, trying to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable, knowing that very often that person is the same person. The world so broken. The world so beautiful. The world so sacred, so desecrated. Which is why you come to church, maybe, not because this is the only place you find God or healing or wholeness or wholeness or forgiveness, but because you need, we all need as many altars as we can find. Amen. So longing for home and wet At the neck, you turn left at two trails diverging in the wood. And like Frost said in his poem, we all might remember from high school, that choice makes all the difference because at the time in the storm, at that time, the temperature ticked up just a little right above freezing. So the snow turned wet and heavy, sticking like blue-white cotton candy to all the branches over the road bending them low and folding them like a canopy over your head or a tent or even better like a church like a chapel a filigree of snow and flying buttresses of branches stained glass of ice on either side can you see it all leading this road to the end to a boulder you have seen before in all manner of weather and seasons but that now looks for all the world at the end of this momentary sanctuary like like what like an altar just for you in the storm ready and waiting and because no one is watching and because your spirit is shy and insecure, and because even the dog isn't noticing, because he's chasing an aroma, and because you're trying with Leonard Cohen to forget your perfect offering, and because you need strength to help bless this broken world, and because you need help to be the person you want to be, and because you need help to acknowledge what's not working in your life and make changes, And because you need to be forgiven for things large and small. And because you know there is more to life than meets the eye. And because the hours are ticking by. And because you long to find meaning in your griefs and your loves and your losses. And because you know God's home is not only in church. You walk down the aisle that is the road. And as you draw closer to the altar stone, you do something these days. That is only reserved, typically, for checking the plumbing underneath the sink in your kitchen or checking the oil pan underneath your car. What do you do? You stop and you kneel. Why? Because you know how vulnerable you are. Because so much beyond us deserves some praise. Because we are so small and the world is so big. Because in these times, humility is a counter cultural trait. Because we need help accounting for our 168 hours a week. Because we need courage because we need to be brave, because the winds are strong and the storm is high, because we long to remember, you and I, that we are not alone. And so we kneel there at the stone and we place both of our hands in the snow and we say stone, storm, wind, earth, sky, sea, air, birds, trees, snow, ice, animals, dogs, people, sanctuary, life, living, breath, praise, 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 amen.